Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Uh, Oaks of Righteousness is a, a beautiful uh, ministry that was kind of birthed out of the Holy Spirit moving in one of our, our members' lives, um, and they saw the, saw the need and said, I, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling me into obedience to step into that and, and to make a difference in that place. And um, one of our greatest joys as pastors uh, of this church is to say yes um, and to support uh, those opportunities and those, those people who, um, who feel passionate about something the Lord's calling them to. And so, um, so what a beautiful, beautiful ministry. So today, as we, uh, as we dive into the scripture, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, we'll get there in a, in a minute. Uh, but we're starting a sermon series uh, this week, coming out of our sermon series on hurry. Uh, we're starting a sermon series called Shalom, this Hebrew word in scripture uh, that our English translation translated at, translates it as peace. But as... Uh, just like many words in, um, in scripture, the Hebrew and the original text, the word oftentimes means so much more than our concept of, of the English translation. And so, uh, church, as we approach uh, this um, kind of affiliation vote in, our, in the life of our congregation on September 25th, uh, in, a, in a place where we, it seems like, we're kind of swimming in a pool of denominational uncertainty. The Lord uh, really put this, this word, shalom, on the hearts of the pastors um, when we were kind of planning out this semester of sermon series. Um, and we all kind of came to this place separately, uh, which is always a, a beautiful thing when the, the Lord leads, you, leads all of us in the same direction um, ahead of time. And so as we dive into this this week, um, or this, this week and also uh, over the course of this month, um, I want you to kind of begin to understand and begin to unpack what it means for us to have peace in the midst of uncertainty. What it means for us to have peace in the midst of disagreement. What it means for us to have peace in our lives where circumstances in the outside world always seem to be pressuring in on us. What does it mean for us to have a biblical concept of shalom? And so as we dive in, we're gonna, today we're going to look at kind of a, a more broad, bigger picture understanding of what it means for us to, to have um, the, the peace that God desires to give us in shalom. So let's pray together this prayer. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace, and your love in your goodness, and yourself in your love, and in all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. So about a, about a couple weeks ago, um, we were coming home from uh, Saturday afternoon activities. We had soccer games, and we, you know, we had all, all sorts of things going on, and, um, and we came back. And we were tired and, and ready for, for bed. We got dinner and then we started putting our kids, uh, getting our kids ready for the bedtime thing. And, 
As we talk about peace, that's not necessarily always the most peaceful time of day. When uh, kids are, they're, they're doing their last-ditch effort, their, their custard's last stand, right, as they're trying to uh, resist bedtime for that one last moment. And we sent the kids up to, to, to brush their teeth for the final stages, the finishing touches of bedtime before we'd come up and read, read books to them and, and put, them, put them to sleep. And uh, they get upstairs, and we hear them, like, yell down, Mom, Dad, it's hot up here, right? And we think, you know, okay, they're just, you know, they're trying to stall just a little bit longer. So Abby goes up and checks it out, and, and I hear her call down, Clint, we have a problem, <laughs> right? And that's, like, not the thing that you want to hear on a day that has been 100 degrees all day. And, uh, and so I start, start heading upstairs. And about 10 steps up, you hit this like thermocline, right? Where the, the entire climate just completely changes. It goes from nice air conditioned to this like rainforest of heat and Houston humidity, right? Where you're, you instantly step into like a, a sweat. Uh, it was 90 or 89 degrees upstairs. Um, which is sweltering for an indoor temperature, sticky, muggy, no moving air. And so the first thing that I do is I walk up to the thermostat, and the thermostat reads 89 degrees. And so I'm like, okay, I start problem solving, right? What, what could be wrong here? And so either, either the thermostat is busted or there's something wrong with the AC unit. And so I look at what the temperature is that it's set on, and it's set at... 75, which means, worst case scenario, the AC is broken. And um, you, you've been in that situation before, where it just totally throws off your entire plan. All of a sudden, our night, where we, could, we were about to put the kids to bed and come downstairs and have a nice, peaceful, quiet evening, it was now a, a sleepover in mom and dad's room, right? And the... And, and you know how that goes when there's two extra kids in your bed and, uh, and sleep just doesn't quite seem to happen. You see, what happens is that there's a reading on the thermostat. The thermostat is saying one thing, but there's a failure to communicate between the thermostat and the air conditioner. And I don't need to tell you how AC works. But in, in the kingdom of God, if there was an AC unit, the thermostat would read shalom. You see, the, the temperature, the, the constant in the kingdom of God, God's desire for the kingdom of God is peace, is shalom. But oftentimes, we have a failure to communicate with, with getting to that place of peace. We have a misunderstanding of what the thermostat is telling us. And we start to find and to seek peace in sometimes the wrong ways. I realized this week as I was processing this information, as I was processing this text, that oftentimes my AC unit uh, is broken. And it breaks pretty, pretty frequently. And, uh, and it doesn't take much, right? Sometimes it's, it's when the kids are, are hangry. And they come home from school and they're, they're just a little bit on edge. 
And it kind of sets me from a place of, of peace to not. Or maybe I'm hurried in my, in my, on my weekend or hurried in my life, a season of hurry or my job gets busy or a paper for seminary is due and, uh, and it's stressing me out. Maybe uh, this happened about a week ago when I got hurried and stressed and my grass grew a little bit too long and uh, I got one of those little pink slips from my HOA that said, please, please cut your grass. You know, a friendly reminder from your HOA, right? And it just, it just starts to kind of boil and messes with your peace. Maybe it's a circumstance that is outside of your control and it seems that peace is impossible. Maybe finances get tight or health gets bad or, uh, or another situation that happened the other day is all I wanted at the end of the day was a nice bowl of Captain Crunch. And I go to pick up the, the Captain Crunch box to pour myself some peanut butter Captain Crunch and the kids had drained it but had not thrown the box away. And it just... You know, it just stirred something in me. Sometimes it's the smallest things, right, that put us out of rhythm, that put us out of, of peace. This thing that we've been striving for. And what I realized this week is maybe, maybe, just maybe, I have a misconception of what peace actually is. I have a misconception of what that thermostat is actually reading what it's telling me to do. So today as we look at scripture, we're going to open up to a passage in John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, this is, um, this is called the, uh, the upper room discourse. Chapter 13 through 17 is one of my favorite partitions in scripture. Um, it's, it's kind of Jesus at the end of his life, drawing his disciples, his, his closest followers to him and saying, uh, let's come and meet in the upper room. And he walks them through and he teaches, he's teaching them uh, kind of all of those things that they need to know before he leaves. These are like parting words. And he sits and he has, a, he has the, 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 the supper, last supper with them, he has communion with them, he washes their feet. And he's teaching the disciples a few very important last few things. And so we see in, in John chapter 14, Starting in verse 23, hear these words. And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it's clear in our text as we understand this, this biblical concept of peace, it's clear that Jesus is, is telling his disciples there's a difference between the peace that the world gives you and the peace that I give you. These two things are completely different. 
The thermostat reading is different here. When we think of peace, when I think of peace, oftentimes it's, it's with this, that phrase, all I want is a little bit of peace and quiet. Sometimes all I want is just a little bit of peace and quiet. Peace that the world gives is oftentimes a, seek, a pursuit of quiet, a pursuit of silence, a pursuit of a lack of conflict. You remember the tension that you felt when Ukraine was in, invaded by Russia? You remember that, that kind of unsettled uh, feeling that you had in your, in your soul when there was conflict like we had never seen before in our lifetime? Do you still wake up every day with that same kind of anxiety? The same kind of, of tension? Probably not. I, I know I don't because it's not in the news anymore, right? There's silence. So therefore, there's peace. The world gives us this idea that peace is just silence, is the lack of conflict or the lack of knowledge of conflict. Peace is defined by that, that glass of wine at the end of the day when the kids have all gone to bed. And there's a little bit of peace and quiet. Or maybe it's a season at work where your boss is kind of off your back and things are kind of going smooth. There's a little bit of peace. Peace is, the, the world gives is something that, that we can initiate just by going on vacation and silencing a little bit of the crazy. We initiate peace. Peace that the world gives is temporary. Peace that the world gives is circumstantial. And we think, we get lied to that the thermostat is calling us to quiet and just to find some silence. And so we spend our energy seeking after silence, seeking after those moments of lack of conflict. We, we shut down conflict so that we can have peace. again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. But God is calling us to a totally different understanding of peace. He's calling us to this biblical word, shalom. I love uh, kind of the biblical understanding of peace. We see, um, we see that Jesus is kind of the centerpiece of this in scripture. Isaiah 9, uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophet, prophesies about um, this coming peace, this prince of peace that we later know, we later understand as Jesus. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this passage of scripture that we read every year at Christmas, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God. 
the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When, when Jesus began his ministry, he even laid out even more what this idea of peace actually is, this, this peace that he gives. He kind of lays out in Luke chapter 4, kind of his opening speech, his opening introduction to his ministry. And he's quoting from the, Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, and he says this in the temple. He's declaring what his ministry will look like. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, this is a very different understanding than the peace that the world gives. You see, shalom in scripture, the shalom that Jesus is laying out for us is about restoration. It's about wholeness. It's about the fullness of life and abundance. And when we look at Jesus's life, he, he plays it out every single day. You can't turn the page in the gospels without seeing a way that Jesus does these things, without seeing him bring sight to the, to the blind, without seeing him heal those who are broken, without seeing him cast out demons and free the captive. Jesus' whole life as he goes, as he makes moves, he's teaching his disciples how to follow him and be obedient. He's, he's, he's declaring to the the. Uh, the Pharisees, how their heart is in the wrong place and that they need to stop with this legalism and, 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 and step into obedience in a new understanding. Jesus, every turn is about wholeness, restoration, fullness, and abundance. These are all things that, that we desire, don't we? Right? We want fullness and abundance of life as John 10, 10 says, I've come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Right? We desire restoration when we see ourselves broken. Right? That's what this, this image of the, the, the broken vase is to say that shalom is about restoring back to the way that it was meant to be. Whenever I was reading this, this passage of scripture, this was a week of, of discovery for me. Um, I learned a ton as I was just studying this understanding of peace and shalom and what it means for us to embrace that in our lives. <clears throat> I realized that, um, that shalom is not something that we possess, right? It was a gift from God through the Holy Spirit. So he gave us not, not peace. He didn't just give us peace. He gave us the Holy Spirit who is the Prince of Peace. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit lives within us, we can experience peace. He doesn't give us peace. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And peace is found in the Holy Spirit. So it's not something that we possess and it's not something that we make. We don't make peace. D.L. Moody, a great biblical scholar, said this. He said, a great many people are trying to make peace. But that's already been done. God has not left this for us to do. All that we have to do is enter into it. I love that word, that, that phrase. All that we have to do is enter into it. Isaiah gives uh, all sorts of references to peace and he, he, in two different places. He says, peace is like a river. It's this image of, of this constant flowing, ever, ever progressing 
always there, always moving thing. The peace from, is from the beginning and, and is constant all the way to the end. And all that we have to do is step into it. And as we step into it, we understand um, a, greater, a greater level of shalom in our lives. So what does it look like? How do, we, how do we do that? And this was kind of a turning point for me as I kind of began to understand this. Isaiah uh, 48, 18, one of those peace like a river phrases, uh, verses says this. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. And when I read that, it was like a, like a light bulb came on in my head and I understood peace in a different way. It's clear that there's a correlation in scripture between shalom that God promises and our obedience. His shalom and our obedience. In fact, as we apply that, that same concept to the passage of scripture in John, we see that it makes sense. Right? Anyone, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and, and we will come to them and make our home within them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. And then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, right? Who's going to remind you all of the things that I've taught you and help you to live out those things that I've taught you and help you to follow, follow me in obedience. And as I send my Holy Spirit to you, that, then you will understand and have peace. As you obey me. Peace that the world gives is circumstantial. It's dependent on all of the outside circumstances. And if everything aligns just right, then we can have moments of peace. But peace that, that God promises us, shalom, it comes from a life lived in obedience as we embrace the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you want to experience peace that is outside of the circumstances of your life, then it calls us to obedience. It calls us to step into the river of obedience where we will experience peace, where we will experience shalom. In other words, if you want shalom in your life, obey what the God is saying. Very simply. If you are struggling to find peace in your life and in your circumstance, it's probably because you are struggling to, to step into obedience. Our lack of peace has a direct correlation to our lack of obedience. That, that truth hit me hard this week. Finding shalom and stepping into the river of obedience simply means that I must surrender to the truths of God and trust. And trust that his way is right. Trust that his way is better than my way. Trust that his way is good. And as I step into obedience, he promises me that I will experience shalom. Peace I give you, not like the world gives. So church, the question that I asked myself when I started reading this text is, have I lost my focus 
on following the Prince of Peace? Have I lost my, my gaze on, on his eyes? Am I focused too much on the circumstances of the world around me and I've lost focus on following in obedience his footsteps? Have you been seeking quiet when God is calling you to seek peace? When God is calling you to seek restoration, wholeness, fullness and abundance? As I, was, uh, as I was kind of thinking through scripture, um, God kind of brought to my mind this, this old text in, in Numbers. And it's like, um, it's not a text that's really, I don't know that I've ever maybe once heard this text preached. Uh, but it's a, it's a text in, in Numbers, it's super bizarre. Um, but the Israelite people are like walking in the desert and, um, and they are, consumed by a plague, a, 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 I don't know what you call a herd of snakes, venomous snakes. Like their whole, all of their people are like just infiltrated with these venomous, like deadly snakes. Talk about something, an outside circumstance that will mess up your peace. Get surrounded by, I am terrified of snakes. Like, not when it's like a, like a nice snake and somebody's handling it and they like put it on your shoulders. I'm okay with that. But running into like a venomous snake out in the wilderness is terrifying to me. And so I can't imagine just a, like a, a gaggle, I don't know, of snakes. A lot of snakes, maybe like Indiana Jones style snakes, right? And they're, they're surrounding the people of, of God and they're biting them and people are dying. These venomous snakes are dying and... And, and, and God tells Moses, he tells Moses, he says, make a snake and put it up on a pole, a bronze snake, and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look up at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked up at the bronze snake, they lived. We understand uh, with a New Testament, a messianic lens of that text that, that that bronze snake on the pole, on the T pole is symbolic of Christ. That when we fix our eyes on, the, on the, the, the power of Christ that overcomes all sin and death, when we fix our eyes on that, then we find shalom. Then we find peace. We see it again, this, this concept again in, in the New Testament as Peter is walking on water, as Jesus, comes, as Jesus comes out walking on the water and Peter steps out and he's looking at the circumstance all around him and watching the, the wind and the waves and he steps out onto the water and fixes his eyes on Jesus and he begins to walk and step out, on, out of the boat and onto the water. But as soon as he loses his, his gaze, as soon as he loses his, his eyes on the Prince of Peace, he begins to, to be consumed by the circumstances and he begins to drown. And Jesus picks him up. And so church, in the midst of, of our circumstance, in the midst of 
denominational uncertainty. I believe that, that it's so easy for us to focus on all of the circumstances, on all of the what-ifs, on all of the, the challenges, on all of the, the divide, on all of the, the anonymity towards one another. To focus on all of the, the outside circumstance, to focus on the snakes at our feet, to focus on the wind and the waves. But I think in this season, what God is calling us to do is fix our eyes on him. That peace in the middle of our situation comes when we are focused on the resurrection power of Christ, on the Prince of Peace that brings us healing and restoration, fullness and abundance. So church, as we, as we enter into communion today, as we come to the table where Christ called us, as we step into obedience, I want to ask you to examine your hearts. Examine your lives. If there's a lack of peace in your story right now, Perhaps there's an area that God is calling you to surrender and step into the river of Shalom. Perhaps there is an area of your life that God is calling you into obedience. Baby, God is calling you to reevaluate the way that you handle your finances. Maybe he's calling you to, to reevaluate your obedience in your regular, regularity or intentionality of your pursuit with God. Maybe in the way that you shepherd your family or treat your spouse or neighbor. Maybe God is calling you to obedience and how you forgive others or even forgive yourself. Maybe God is calling you to repentance of sin. Whatever it is, as you come to the table today, know that there's, there's people who desire to pray for you. We have, we'll have people on the wings who are, are here specifically to, to lift you up in prayer. My hope is that as we come to the table, we step into to a new obedience of God. We, and as you step into obedience, he will begin to wash over you with an, uh, a peace that passes understanding that we'll talk about next week. Let's pray. God, we honor you um, this, this morning. God, as we step into, into your presence, God, would you wash over us with the peace like a river? God, would you cleanse us? Would you draw us deeper into obedience? Would you help us to step into, into your love? God, we honor you and we give you thanks. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he met with his disciples and in that upper room. And he welcomed them to the table of his life, of his obedience. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he rose it and he gave thanks he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for me and for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. 
And so Holy Spirit, would you pour out your presence on this place? Would you take these common elements of bread and cup and would you make them so much more than that for us? Would you make them the body of Christ redeemed by your blood? And in so doing, would you restore us and renew us? Would you help us to understand your shalom, that you've called us into obedience? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.